Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to uh, Vineyard Community Church. We're very glad you're with us. We're continuing on in a series now called Living is Christ. Living is Christ. And what I'm hoping to do in this series is we're talking about this amazing, full and abundant, now and forever life that Jesus came for us to have because um, we want to be aware of all of its aspects because we have a very real enemy who tries to steal this life from us. And he's sneaky and he's crafty and he wants to keep us stuck wherever he can. So the more we know about what this life looks like, um, the more likely we are to be able to know when the enemy's trying to steal life from us and stop him from doing that. And so uh, we've been looking, we looked at Philippians 1 to begin with 20 through 27 where Paul says that to live is Christ and we talked about a lot of things in that part of the series and then we shifted over to Ephesians 4 and this is very important. Um, we're looking at these verses now where it talks about the, new, the old self and the new self and that we're to put off the old self and we're to put on the new self and that there was a verse that sort of put them together talking about the attitude of our minds being changed. And then Paul begins to start talking about what these new attitudes look like and that's what we're doing now. They, you know, they look like you know, being truthful and not uh, stealing. You know, we talked about that last week. And not being angry. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And, and last week, really, we talked about, you know, go, moving from sort of having to giving and how important that was. But I want you all to remember that this process is all about us yielding to the Holy Spirit. And, and it's the work of the Spirit in us who is developing these new attitudes. We're not simply doing behavioral changes um, um, we are allowing the Spirit to work in us to change us from the inside out. So that as we see these new attitudes being developed in us, we're, we can understand that it's the work of the Spirit in us. And that we don't take credit for it, we can give all the credit to Him because that's who it belongs to. And so He's created this, this new self for us in holiness and righteousness. And the power of the Spirit is putting on this new sort of clothing, if you would, uh, in, in these new attitudes. So as we see them being developed, we can understand it's the work of the Spirit. And also when we, um, you know, when we're yielding to Him, we can sort of catch ourselves when we're not walking in these new attitudes the way we're supposed to. Um, if we're not telling the truth, we should sort of get convicted. If, we're, if we feel anger coming up inappropriately and not dealing with it appropriately, we should, we should feel the Spirit trying to work within us to help us um, put on this new self that He has for us. That, that sort of starts to let go of some of that mess and what it looks like. Today, um, I, I want to talk about using our words to bring life. I want to talk about the importance of our words and the things that we say and how we say them and why they matter uh, and how this is another one of those new attitudes being developed in us. Now, having said that, that's the intro I'm going to use my words to tell you a bad joke or two, but still, I'm a work in progress. Now this is one of those ones that I thought was hilarious, so you guys will probably hate it. On the first day of school, the teacher asks a student, well, what are your parents' names? And the student says, my father's name is laughing, and my mother's name is smiling. And the teacher said, are you kidding? And the student said, no, kidding is my brother. I am joking. I never wanted to believe that my dad was stealing from his job as a road worker, but when I got home, all the signs were there. <laughs> I'm going to quit with that one. Scripture reading. 
on the side. It's pretty good, right? <laughs> Ephesians 4, 22 through 32. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we're all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have, that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Blessed be the word of the Lord. I want to focus in today on verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. How important our words are and how we use them is something that we need to be really aware of on our walk as a believer. And again, the enemy would love for you to use your words inappropriately. He loves it whenever you do it. Use your words to tear down, to hurt, to criticize, to do a number of things. Um, that's the old self, and uh, we're to be operating in this new self that the Lord's putting on us. So whenever there's an opportunity to sort of look at these things, I love to see how Jesus handles um, this, these situations and Jesus, uh, you know, encounters that he has with real people to see what he said on the journey. And uh, I thought that we'd just take a quick look today at an encounter that Jesus has with a guy named Nicodemus, because most of you have heard of him, and most of you are aware with some of the verses in the, the encounter that's actually in John chapter 3. But let me just start, and then we'll sort of fill in as we go. First couple of verses of John 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council, and he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you're doing if God were not with him. All right, so Nicodemus um, really sort of represents the best of the nation. Uh, he was a teacher. He was a Pharisee. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, which was the Jewish ruling council. So, so he's a He's a, you know, he's a religious guy, he's a political guy, he's a, a, you know, an educator, he's got a lot of stuff going on in this whole process, and I think this is a very, very interesting encounter, because Nicodemus is a sort of a person of stature in his community, and yet right off the bat you get an idea that something's a little fishy because he sneaks in at night under the cover of darkness so no one else can see. Remember the Pharisees hate Jesus, he's a part of the Pharisees. Um, they're constantly trying to trap Jesus in getting him to say something that he, you know, they think that he can trick him so that they can have him killed and take him out of the way. So here comes Nicodemus, and, um, you know, he opens up with some pretty flowery sort of compliments toward Jesus. Um, but, you know, I, I, I hear what he's saying on the one hand, and at the same time, him sneaking in at night doesn't seem to match up to me. And so you, you hear, here starts this encounter with Nicodemus. And let me say this, too, about using our words and, and things that happen, um, life is filled with challenging people and interesting encounters. And 
And, and you need to know right off the bat that that's not a bad thing. And, and in fact, um, these are encounters, these challenging encounters with interesting people can be used by God in significant ways if we're willing to allow him to and if we can sort of settle in who we are in him and who he is in us. And, and so if you're, if you're not aware of those things, oftentimes we'll try, we'll sort of let other people define us or manipulate us or even intimidate us, which will put us off track and keep us from saying the things that we should be saying. So, so it's, it's not just who you are, but whose you are. You're a child of the king. You're a, you're a follower of Jesus. You're a disciple. You're, you're, you're broken, but, but you're, you're living trying to do the next right thing. And sort of when we settle in that, then, then we can be less defensive in some of these interesting encounters we're going to have. And, and we'll be able to come less from the perspective of what about me and, and uh, sort of really listen for where God would take the encounter. And so instead of like having to prove that you're right about something, um, you, you can actually let God just use the entire situation and then perhaps use your words to speak life into it in significant ways. So Jesus sees this encounter with Nicodemus as an opportunity to speak life-giving words into the situation. I mean, he could have taken a lot of ways. This guy, you know, was with a group that's not very happy with Jesus, going to take him out, and here he comes, and sneaking in at night. Who knows what's going on? But here's what Jesus says in verse 3. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. How can a man be born when he's old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he can't enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Now here Jesus is very lovingly trying to tell a deeply religious person a very important stature that what he has is not enough in the kingdom. That's what he's saying to him in a, in a very kind way. Um, unless we repent and come to Christ, we can't access the kingdom of God. It's not about our religious works or our, our political power or our position in society. It's about His work of grace. And, and so here comes this encounter. And you need to note, too, this is important. When we think about these things, Nicodemus came to Jesus. Jesus wasn't forcing himself out there. He wasn't out there being pushy or anything. He's just there. Here comes Nicodemus. And, and see, he sees something in Jesus um, that, that drew him to ask these questions. And, and that's what this whole thing is all about, this life, that, that I keep telling you from the beginning. People should see something in us that causes them to ask some of these questions. But, but so we're not like we're pushing anything on anybody. We're responding to questions, and, and those questions will come in lots of different ways from lots of different people. And sometimes they'll come seemingly sort of attacking when in fact they're, it's, they're just not sure how to come with the question. And so it's very important that we're living by doing the next right thing and understanding the importance of this new self being put on us. And, and, uh, and so Jesus here really is trying to love Nicodemus into the kingdom by getting him to see that he won't make it in his own righteousness. And here, these verses, most of you know, pop up in this conversation, verse 16 and 17. For God, Jesus says in this conversation, in this encounter, so love the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. 
And so Jesus is offering with his words, life-giving words, hope to Nicodemus. He's sharing with him the good news. He's, he's sharing the concept of grace to a religious person who had only ever known the law. And even though the Old Testament speaks of grace, the religious community at the time had lost the concept of God's grace and love. So Jesus is speaking life into this encounter. And it's fascinating that, that, you know, once again, God has made a way for everyone to be returned into relationship, to be reconciled with him, no matter where they fall on the spectrum. And, and with this encounter with Nicodemus, I think it results in a changed life because of something that happens much later on in the Gospel of John. I thought, it, I thought I would share it with you. John 19, 39 and 40. This is after um, the death of Jesus and the Joseph of Arimathea wants to take him down from the cross and prepare a place for him and so he boldly goes and asks for the body and look what goes with him here verse 39 he was accompanied by Nicodemus the man who had earlier visited Jesus at night and Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes about 75 pounds and taking Jesus body the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen this was in accordance with Jewish burial customs this is much bolder than sneaking in at night now he knows that, that something needs to be done, and he steps up to be a part of this amazing process between the resurrection and the crucifixion and lovingly taking care of the body of the Lord. Um, I think that Jesus' words impacted him in a significant way, and that would be the hope of the encounters that we have with people, that we would speak words of life into them and that they would impact them in positive ways. And so let me hop into point one because you guys are going, wow, he's talked a long time in the intro. Point one, the power of words. So words are extremely powerful. That's why we've got to be careful with them. James 3, 7 through 10 says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praising and cursing my brothers. This should not be. Wow, words can be used to build people up and to tear people down. The power of words, it's such an amazing thing. Um, most of us were taught, you know, to, in order to deal with hard words earlier, you remember that old school sort of rhyme, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Complete garbagey lie. <laughs> because words hurt deep and can go into you, and especially at a young age, if someone of supposed authority speaks mess into your life, it can mess you up forever until it gets healed at the cross. And so words are extremely powerful things. Hurtful words can hurt a person for their entire lives. Many people live under the oppression of words spoken to them that weren't true. And instead of being built up, they were told that they were no good or they would never amount to anything or that they, they weren't smart enough or whatever. And, and they, they carried that and they took that in and it impacts them their entire lives. Words are so powerful. So we need to be so aware of that. And so, so be careful with your words. You know, God used words to speak everything in to being. So we need to be aware of that. So you got to, this is point number two. See, the points are going to move quick now. Think before you speak. This is just, should become a part of our life. It's part of this new attitude that's being developed. You should always think before you speak. How many of you have ever put your foot in your mouth? 
I wish it was like an exercise because I could get a lot of calories for that. I probably wouldn't have to run. <laughs> I'd weigh about 150 pounds. So, so think before you speak. So you remember who you are in Christ, so you don't have to be defensive. You don't have to prove you're right. Uh, and you can think about it. In the Proverbs, it says in, in 17, 27, 28, a man of knowledge uses words with restraint, and a man of understanding is even-tempered. Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent, and discerning if he holds his tongue. So there's a, there's a real benefit to think before you speak right there. People will think you're wise, when in fact you're just... <laughs> He's so wise. I'm just not saying the first 10, 12 things that came to my mind. <laughs> so, what do you do to think? Three questions. A, is what I'm saying true? Now, we sort of touched on this with the whole truth-telling thing, but, but here's the deal. If it's not true, don't say it. If you're not sure that it's true, don't say it. And don't pass it along in an email either. wherever, all the media now. If you're not 100% sure that it's absolutely true, let it stop with you. It shouldn't go any further. It doesn't need to be said. It doesn't need to be said. Um, so, so much stuff out there isn't true, and nobody takes the time because it's sort of, oh, I agree with that, and boom, all of a sudden you've got this mess going on out there. So always think to yourself, before you say anything, is what I'm about to say true? If it's not, you stop it right there. Don't say it. If you're not 100% sure what you're about to say, absolutely true, don't say it. B, is what I'm saying helpful? Are you about to say something because you want to build that person that you're talking to up? Or are you trying to have maybe the other effect? Is it helpful? Does it, does it need to be said? That's huge. I have a lot of things I think about saying and then I don't say them because I realize they just don't need to be said. They, they just need to just kind of resonate there and stay in. Um, Never start a sentence with, I don't mean to be rude. Don't do it. Because you're just about to be as rude as you can possibly be and think that you've covered yourself by saying, I don't mean to be rude. Just don't say it. Just don't do it. Is it helpful? Is it loving is C. Is it loving? Is, are they motivated by love? for the person that you're talking to? Or do you have a different motivator going on? If you have a different motivator going on, don't you really need to shut it down. Um, if it's anger or frustration or vengeance, bite your tongue. Don't. What you're about to say, you're going you're gonna to not want to say in almost every case. So what we need to be focusing on is three, is words of life. We need to be speaking words of life. That's the, what we want to use our words for, words of life. We don't want to waste them on anything else. Proverbs 18.21, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 12.25, an anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. So, so our words should bring life to people. Our words should encourage, they should inspire, they should calm, um, and sometimes challenge the people that we're talking to. We're to, we're to speak the truth in love, but always tempering our words with kindness and compassion, with grace and mercy. Sometimes people get all hung up on, on speaking the truth and they say that they're going, I'm going to go speak truth to that person and it always seems to have this negative sort of connotation to it. I'm telling you, you should be speaking truth to people 99% of the time. It should have a very positive connotation and you're not giving them those words. 
You should be telling people all the time that you're thankful for them or you're blessed that they're in their lives or, you know, that, that, um, that, that you're, you know, something encouraging, something that matters, something that should be a part of who you are. Your words should just be out there encouraging people all the time. So at that point in time, which should be a very, very small point where you may have to challenge someone, they can hear it because they've heard so many things that were coming at them the other direction. They can take it in a little bit. But too many people save their words just for the hard stuff, and you can damage people that way. Um, even if you're trying to sort of correct someone or challenge them, all should be done in an encouraging way. Uh, you know, pointing up strengths, encouraging people to do their best. And, and, and so we need to be aware, very aware of our words. And so what I'd, I'd like you to do this week is, is I would like you to try and listen to your words this week. Try and listen at what you're doing. How are you normally using your words? What are you usually using your words for? Are you using them to encourage, to bring life, to inspire, or are you using your words to gossip or discourage or deflate? How are you using your words? And sort of rate yourself on it. How am I doing? And, and again, see, this is the neat thing. Because the Holy Spirit's doing this as we yield to Him, He sort of lets us know when we're stopping it, you know, when we're moving into a situation, we, and He... He's so gracious, but it pops right up there, and we have these opportunities to stop. And, and with all these things, we have these, he'll, he'll help us. That's how he's putting this new self on us. He's right there with us, helping us in the process. So think about how you're using your words, and, and just sort of let him help you with that throughout the week. We should be the most encouraging people on the planet. I say the church should be, hey, I've already told you, we should be the most loving institution there is, and we got a lot of work to do. Um, and also, we should be the most encouraging. People should, they should, again, they should be, that church, there's them people, they really love people so much, and they always encourage me. That really should be what it looks like. And, and we've got some, we've got a ways to go, probably. So just kind of think about that this week, and how he can help you with that. And, and uh, you know, it's a, it's a much, much better thing. That's where we find life, in Him. And, and He, you know, he, he loves you guys. And He wants the best for you. That's the whole part of this deal. He loves you so much, full and abundant, now and forever life, is what He desires for each one of you. And, and you just need to know that as you walk through it. He's filled us with His Spirit. We're going we're gonna to talk more about the Holy Spirit next week. Um, and, and, you know, what an amazing thing this is that we have found in Him, that um, the Holy Spirit comes helps us in this process it's because of the amazing love of God and the grace of God so kind of ponder those things this week and we'll uh, we'll pick it up there next week for those of you watching on video thanks for watching um, if you need prayer you can go to the website and there's a prayer page on there just fill that out and we will pray for you come and visit us as soon as you can and uh, we'd love to see you here thank you God